welcome. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to share, listen, and learn. This is my favorite coffee story with your host, Aniko Samoji. You'll hear about the stories about coffee itself, the history, health benefits, recipes, and more, along with some personal stories inspired by coffee and the lifestyle. Now, here is Aniko Somoji. Welcome to my favorite coffee story. We're so delighted you've joined us. Listeners all around the world, we have such an amazing show today. We're talking about brewing up stories about craft beer and coffee. <laughs> we have an amazing guest. And before I introduce David Skiba, we have our Anikona Farm moment. So at Anikona Farm in beautiful Halualoa, Hawaii, right above Kona Town, I get questions often about our seasons. And we do have seasons, but they're not as severe as ones that you would might find some other parts of the world. But we are in the middle of our rainy season right now in July and August, which is great for the coffee trees. And it really is also purifying for the air since we still have the volcano going on the other side of the island. So there's a lot of volcanic ash in the air, but we'll have our dry season in December and January, and then we'll kind of roll around. The coffee trees will start flowering in February, and then we'll start getting closer to our picking season, which is coming up in September. But that that rainy season really makes everything so lush and green. We have four bunches of bananas on our banana tree, which is incredible. Usually it has one bunch at a time, and we're talking about a hundred beautiful bananas at one time on one bunch. So we can't pick those. We can't wait to pick those out in a couple weeks. But welcome to my favorite coffee story. So we're talking about brewing up stories about craft beer and coffee. We have David Skiba joining us, and we're so delighted. He's owner, master brewer, and El Capitan at No Boat Brewing Company <laughs> in Snoqualmie, Washington, near Seattle. Welcome, David. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be on. (laughs) Oh, we're so glad you're here. And we're really excited to learn a little bit more about all the great things that that are going on over there at No Boat Brewing Company. We thought we'd start out maybe sharing with our listeners all around the world about your early days, some of your growing up days and family times in Redmond, Washington, near Seattle. Please share with us, David. Sure, absolutely. So, um... I grew up uh, an only child, so I got all of my parents' attention. <laughs> um, and in doing so, was raised um, by my parents uh, to, like, on occasion enjoy red wine with them at a young age, like seven or eight at the table just for dinner. Um, and in doing so, for whatever reason, my folks were also, uh, most of their friends when I was younger were... I guess, childless. So I was the only kid um, and listening to people talk about wine and talk about beverage. And um, it put a lot of thoughts in my head as to like, wow, this is a really cool sounding career. Um, And that really set me on a path towards being fascinated by that from a very young age. And and coupling that with, um, as as a kid, I was just fascinated and like flabbergasted by nature. I was lucky enough to have like an acre of woods behind my house. So I, I'd be out there all the time, just sort of, 
um, you know, without knowing it, discovering all this stuff I really enjoyed and loved by just walking through trees and seeing big ferns. And out in Seattle, it's everything's so lush. So, um, and, and there's really no season when you can't be outside. So I, it, it really set me on a path towards, without knowing it as a seven or eight-year-old, wanting to um, make something with my hands, and it ended up being beer. <laughs> That's a fantastic story, David. I'm curious. It sounds like me that you ended up then studying biology and environmental studies, uh-huh. maybe also inspired by your love of nature at St. Olaf College, and you graduated in 2013. Please share with us some of your university days and some of your favorite coffee stories uh-huh. possibly during those days, David. Of course. Um, I was actually reflecting on this when you were asking for um, coffee stories from college because I sort of uh, I sort of started drinking coffee maybe a little bit in high school towards the end but really when I got into coffee was um, I had an organic chemistry class at 8 a.m. as a sophomore and that required a lot of black coffee um, and that is when I got very very in um, to the beverage and started discovering you know different blends and different roasts and all that um, and that is I think about it all the time, but that is absolutely what got me into drinking coffee um, was that class, which also um, tied into my degree. And um, studying at St. Olaf, I, yeah, I double majored in environmental science and in biology. Um, and really what I figured out at some point in my sophomore or junior year um, that I would be able to uh, turn my undergraduate studies into graduate school studies in winemaking, um, which was really just icing on the cake for me. Um, and, and at St. Olaf, one of the biggest attractions for me was I was actually able to study uh, marine and terrestrial ecology in Australia. So I, I lived along the east coast of Australia for about six months um, over the course of my university studies. So that was also amazing um, and That's a super great. rare experience where I got to scuba dive and all kinds of stuff in a totally unique place in Australia. That's an amazing experience, David. Did you by chance happen to have some favorite classes either at St. Olaf or maybe during your time in Australia? Oh my goodness. Um, uh, the Australia oh, class that organic chemistry I, one? <laughs> the, the 8 a.m. Yeah, organic, organic chemistry, chemistry. <laughs> Organic chemistry didn't make the favorite list. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, if I reflect on the Australia time, it, it's really not even fair to contrast it to like typical university studies because I, I mean, I got the chance to literally dive on coral reefs for three weeks straight in the great barrier reef and call that school. So, um, experiences like that were just, it, it was one of those moments where you're doing something where you just know when you reflect back on it, you're like, this is one of the top moments of my life, but I'm only 20 years old. So how do I, you know, come to grips with that? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, Um, that does sound like an incredible experience. And did you have by chance a a favorite mentor during that time, David? Sure. Um, Man, I had so many. I, I was very, very fortunate to actually, the professor who took me to Australia his name was Paul Jackson, um, and his wife, Anne-Marie, she also came down as well. Um, and I, we got quite close. And we actually bonded down there over, um, we would have uh, some glasses of Shiraz, as it were. And um, 
you know, just talk about the environment and the, the Australia is just so, so different from anything you could experience anywhere else because it's been um, ge- geographically alone for 70 million years. So um, it's, it's just such an amazing place to set your mind on what nature can do and is capable of. Um, and, and I was actually also very lucky when I was down there to meet um, some farmers who practice biodynamic winemaking, which is a very unique um, practice within, um, especially within the winemaking region or circles, I suppose, and uh, learning, you know, the way they interpret organic growth was so fascinating. Yes. Yes, that's incredible. Well, you decided to pursue a degree in viticulture mm-hmm. and enology and at University of California, Davis. And I could see how you your whole sort of early days and your classes really led you to studying viticulture. Uh, tell us a little bit about some of your favorite classes at UC Davis. Oh, my goodness. Um, so UC Davis, uh, the winemaking program there is, uh, I guess, within the winemaking circles, pretty world-renowned for, it, it's been around forever, um, and it's, it's pretty hard to get into, so I never assumed in my life that I would make it in. Um, but one of the most, one of the coolest things we did was within two or three days of being on campus and starting the master's degree there, you start walking vineyards. And within six weeks, you are supposed to be able to walk down a vineyard row and just by sight identify 60 different grape varieties. Um, and that was an absolutely fascinating experience. Um, and I wish I could tell you I still had the skill, but back then <laughs> I, was, I was very capable. <laughs> um, and then one of the more wild things about being in that program is um, – you're being taught by legends of the industry. Like Andy Walker is probably doing the foremost research on grape breeding. Um, and Roger Bolton has been a, a legacy name in the winemaking sciences. And they're just right there teaching your courses. Um, and, and when you really get down into um, sensory analysis and when you go from, you know, the grape all the way to the aspects um, that you can find within any given wine in terms of aroma and taste. It's just a, it's a fascinating experience. And, and the sensory side of it is uh, something that I've luckily been able to take with me on top of a lot of other skills. But the sensory aspect definitely has translated into the beer, which has been great. Um, and, and the sensory science is something that translates through all of food and beverage. So um, that might be the coolest stuff we did was, was really honing our sensory skills. That what an amazing program, and it sounds like it worked out really well. After you graduated, David, in 2015, it sounds like you went on to work at a winery, uh, the Cliff Lead Winery in California, and then you mm-hmm. also became assistant winemaker at Lauren Ashton Winery in Woodenville, Washington, near Seattle. What were some of those experiences like, please? Yes, so uh, I... So one really neat aspect of the master's degree is they actually allow you in your second year to go work harvest while you're studying. So um, I was lucky enough to, in the middle of my second year of study, actually go work and make wine in Walla Walla at a winery named Pepper Bridge, which was my first harvest. And it would have been uh, the harvest of 2014 in uh, the United States. Um, and then after graduating, 
I uh, was <laughs> was going to go work for uh, Cliff Lady, um, and I actually had uh, I had to be down walking the vineyards in three days, but I went home to help my folks move out of my house. And in that three-day period, I thought I was going to be gone out of Napa Valley. I was offered a job uh, as assistant winemaker, essentially running the program of Lauren Ashton, um, which was a, a wild experience and an amazing career opportunity. I was, uh, at the time, 24 or 25, and um, it was an incredible jump and, and something that we really pushed for that I um, learned from Jean-Francois Pellet, who's the head winemaker at Pepperbridge, is uh, the style of wild winemaking where, um, and typically in wines, we, you know, inoculate a yeast. We, we put a yeast into the fermentation that we've chosen. Um, but in wild fermentation, you, you simply leave the juice and the grapes open to the air to let, um, the yeast and the bacteria in the air do the ferment, which is, um, I mean, some will tell you very risky, but it produces incredibly beautiful wines. So, uh, (laughs) doing that as a 24 year old winemaker with everything on, on the line was uh, risky, to say the least, but it, it was an incredible experience. Um, and, and I was very lucky that Kit Singh, who is the owner and head winemaker of Lauren Ashton, had the confidence in the program that I brought in to do that. Um, and it was a beautiful harvest. It's been a sequence of hot harvests in Washington State. So we had some really gorgeous fruit. It was sweet, but uh, we treated it right, and it was, it was really fun. Oh. Incredible, David. You have such talent. (laughs) And I'm so glad that worked out really well. And then, of course, what's amazing is that you decided in 2016 to take a big step and open No Boat Brewing Company and make craft beer. And for our listeners, please share how you decided to do that and a little bit about the name, please. Yes. Okay. So, Um, A dirty little secret about the wine industry is that it essentially runs on beer. So anyone who makes wine drinks plenty of beer. (laughs) Yeah, it's a team effort, isn't it? (laughs) It really is. Um, There's a a joke that a lot of good beer makes a little great wine. Um, So we always had beer going on just as winemakers. um, And even I started before that, actually, when I came home from Australia, when I was still in my undergraduate studies. Uh, my father and I just started homebrewing uh, back in, man, 2000, this would have been 2011 or something like that. And uh, we just did it for fun. And um, what really got us down the trail to from making beer on our stove to let's open a brewery and be open to the public um, was a lot of decisions. Um, we were given space or, or offered space, which definitely spurned us. Uh, or not spurred us, I suppose, and, and got us into the mindset of, you know, well, if we have space, maybe we can pull this off. But what really, really encouraged us was um, we are fortunate enough to have good friends who own a fantastic restaurant in downtown Seattle uh, named State Side, and it is a French-Vietnamese restaurant. It is absolutely fantastic. And um, one time I was home from winemaking school, and the owner, Seth, asked me, if I would be at all interested in trying a project for him. And I was like, sure, I'll try anything. And um, he was like, there's a beer we have in Vietnam. It's called Bia Hoi. And it is a rice lager, and it's really weird and super funky and kind of world-renowned for being one of the worst beers made. 
<laughs> I was like, okay, so what about it? And he goes, would you want to make it for me? <laughs> and um, I, I gave it a whirl just based off of his description, just talking taste. Um, we came back with it, and he was so happy with it that he served it to some regulars out of Growlers. And I guess the regulars, I, I wasn't there, but supposedly they loved it. So that gave us a lot of encouragement that we could take our home brew and actually you know, take the same process and serve beer that customers enjoyed. So that gave us a lot of encouragement and that on top of um, being given or being offered space to open a brewery up in Stoquamie um, was a great combo for us in terms of, yes. well, we could potentially open to a market and we have space to make beer. So uh, let's give it a go. Um, the reason why it's called No Boat Brewing Company is the space we were offered is in a massive warehouse that stores water skis and wakeboards and directly around us stores boats. So we are the only part of the warehouse with no boats. So <laughs> we decided let's make it simple. No Boat Brewing Company. <laughs> That's perfect, David. We oh so love the name and what a great story. And we're going to take a quick break, David, and to our listeners, we're going to be talking after the break a little bit more about the brewery, the vibe, the team, and some of the creativity that goes in into all the delicious flavors at No Boat Brewing Company and their craft beer. So please join us right after the break. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora, Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Variety. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You 
You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're having such fun with David Skiba. He's the owner, master brewer, and El Capitan at No Boat Brewing Company near Seattle, Washington. We're brewing up stories about craft beer and coffee today. We were just chatting with David about how they decided to open No Boat Brewing Company in Snoqualmie, Washington in 2016, where the name came from, which was just an inspiring story in itself. And we're just going to ask you, David, please, about sort of the vibe at No Boat and a little bit more about your team. Please share. Sure. sure. So uh, one thing that we uh, immediately knew was we're in a, a massive warehouse. The ceiling is almost 50 feet high. Um, our, our walls actually don't go to the ceiling, so you can see out, and the warehouse itself is 75,000 square feet, of which we are about 5,000. So when you walk in the front doors, it's just this massive space. So our first move was, you know, how do we make this tap room very intimate? Um, be, because <laughs> we, we really wanted the tap room experience to matter. Um, and I've been to plenty of craft breweries where the beer is good, um, and the tap room sort of just come hang out if you want. But we wanted to really go the extra mile, so um, we did all kinds of stuff. Uh, we have <laughs> we strung a bunch of lights between our walls to sort of bring the ceiling down. Um, we tied in a ton of nautical maps, which kind of we sort of uh, tongue in cheek do this no boat thing. We have an anchor, we have a ship's wheel in the in the tap room. We have all these nautical maps. Um, and, and we, we have these little touches because, um, one thing I've always loved at our, our great bar or a great restaurant is there's sort of almost secrets for you to discover. And, and as a customer, once you discover them, you feel even more attached to the place. So for instance, in our bar top itself, we have, um, an inscription from, uh, the rhyme of the ancient mariner and it's, and it's this just little stanza of poetry that. If you knew the poem, which is quite long, it's after the ship is no longer cursed and it starts to rain again and the people on the ship can finally drink water again. So, um, And then in lights, we also have the Southern Cross, which is in our logo, as a nod to when um, I lived in Australia. So we have all these little touches um, that we really wanted people to find over time, and that was definitely part of our plan. Um, and in, in terms of the team... We, uh, we know that the taproom experience is really where we deliver our message best. It's people came in the door to drink our beer, so we try to provide them with um, both an experience that is engrossing, and then we also really want the people behind our bar and who are serving beer to, to care, too. So we've been so fortunate to have um, a really solid team for the first almost 20 months we've been open um, it, we've really become a part of the community up here. Um, as you mentioned, we're near Seattle, but we're about 25 minutes outside of downtown. So we're sort of in a little island with this big community, and uh, we really wanted to attach ourselves to it. So we made sure that our team uh, really, really, we hired people who cared about our customers, no question. You have such a great vibe there at No Boat Brewing Company, David. And 
you're actually there as we're we're sharing with our listeners in between. You're brewing as we speak right there at Nobo Brewing Company in Snoqualmie, Washington. And you, you're so nice to take this time to share with us. We're curious for our listeners, what's your favorite part of running the brewery? Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. I have to say, so I've sort of, I, when we first opened, it was just me and one of my best friends from college, actually, bartending. So I got to a lot of face-to-face time with the customers, but as we've grown, um, I haven't been able to bartend as much because uh, the business has grown and I, I just don't have time. But whenever I get to be behind the bar and just kind of chat with people or, or actually be in the space when we're open to the public, it's, it's quite wonderful. Um, I do spend most of my time brewing the beer, which is typically when we're not open. So I have some very early mornings and very late nights, uh, but I still do love being able to to just kind of hang out and, and appreciate what we've created here the way someone who's come in our door for the first time might appreciate it. Um, and, and I think that feeling of include, like feeling included, even though it's me who built the space, it, it always refreshes and recharges me and, um, it's something I always do when inevitably there's a bad week or, you know, something's gotten me down. I always make sure I go by the brewery while people are there just to watch people enjoying what we're doing because it, it really helps. <laughs> and you've created such a fun, festive environment. Uh, there's outdoor seating inside. It's just got a really great vibe. And so you've really accomplished that. I, I think you make everyone feel very welcome. And you, you, the creativity with your flavors, if we could touch on that mm-hmm. a bit, I, I think that's sure. amazing. How you've decided to, for example, create, you know, the Snoqualmie maybe pale ale or the <laughs> Illuminati Simcoe DIPA and my beautiful dark twisted oatmeal milk stout is really fun. And then the coffee and cream ale. How do you decide on your flavors, yeah. David? Sure. So uh, we have 12 taps at the brewery. So we have essentially, you know, 12 different lanes that we can have available at any time. So uh, being in Washington, of course, the IPA, the India Pale Ale, is incredibly popular. Um, so we, we sort of design around having usually at least four of those 12, the IPAs. Um, the Biahoy, the Vietnamese-style lager that we have, is always here. Uh, and we've gotten to the point where we sort of have six to seven to eight beers that are here more or less all the time, and then the other four to six are rotating. So the way that we set the, the rotating flavors is we really look at seasonality. So, of course, with the colder months, we make darker beer. Um, and then as we get into the summer, we, we're looking for flavors that are, you know, lighter and go with the heat. So um, we really love sour ales here. So beers that have, um, you know, usually lactic acid in them to, to add a sour component. Um, but in terms of flavors, there's so many levers to pull with beer. And it's one of the very unique things from making wine where wine for me is sort of you're shepherding the beverage, you're shepherding the fruit along its way. Um, and then you're waiting quite a time, but beer, you're designing it from the ground up. So, um, we're mainly obviously working with barley. It's a barley product. Um, and the way that we get color and flavor in the malt is by 
um, malting or kilning the barley at different temperatures. So essentially burning and charring the barley. So um, I don't claim to be a maltster, but what they do is incredible. And, and they, you know, there's thousands of malts we can choose from to make a beer that would totally change the way it, it finally tastes. And then when you add on top of that, there's so many hops now. Um, and, and aroma hops are a massive, massive uh, point of emphasis for the industry because the India Pale Ale has become so popular that people are now breeding hops to smell like tangerine, to smell like strawberries, to smell like grapefruit. Hmm. Um, it's fascinating. And then after all that, after the brewing process is done, you then ferment the beer. So the yeast strain that you pick, some would argue, has even the largest impact on your flavor. So Right. Um, there's so many combinations that there's really just no way to try them all except for brewing as often as you can. So I think in our first 20 months, we just recently counted, we've released over 65 different beers. Um, so we are definitely tinkerers here. Um, <laughs> and what really helps with those different skews is all the different hops. So we can make an IPA with maybe the same barley, the same malt, and just change the hops and it changes the beer tremendously. Um, but you know, we, each time we make a beer, we're learning from it and we're wondering how could we incorporate this aspect of the beer we just brewed into this project we have on the, you know, on the board for the next couple months. Um, and one thing we're very interested in here is we love, um, barrel aging beers and we love wood aging, um, because it's, it's a nod to what beer used to be. It used to be a product that was aged and sat for a while. Um, and it's also this crazy avant-garde exp- aspect of brewing now where people are creating these beers that are meant to age for a couple of years before being served, maybe. Right. That's, that's so interesting, David. You know, thank you for sharing with us all the ingredients and the important elements that go into brewing a delicious craft beer. And I'm, I'm so interested how you've actually developed your taste. We talked about that a little bit earlier, how you, you're able to develop your, your taste for wine and for beer and for coffee. And how did that coffee and cream ale turn yeah. out? Share with us about that, please. Excellent. So the coffee and cream ale was a, was a really cool project that we did almost a year ago now. Um, and we'll be doing it again. So, so the, the idea was, let's make a beer that has the aroma of coffee, but in color appears very light. Okay. So what we did was we made a cream ale, um, which is a typically very light beer with either wheat or typically corn alongside barley. So we made that beer body. And then what we did was, after the uh, beer fermented, so after about two weeks, we then actually threw in... Um, about a pound per barrel of beer of roasted coffee beans um, from, I believe it was Kenyan. uh, It was a Kenyan and Sumatran blend. And what that did was we then sat the beer on those beans for, uh, I think, another two weeks. And that just added this big aroma of coffee. And then even more so in the mouth, as as you drank the beer, coffee really exploded in the mouth. And it was sort of a mind trick because this beer was very light in color. Um, yes. And one thing, it was my first time actually um, 
doing this process with whole roasted beans. And what I didn't expect that happened was we pulled a lot of berry flavors out of the beans. I was expecting more roast, but it was almost these sort of caramel tropical notes that came out of the beans when we did it this way because there's so many ways to add coffee to beer you can make a cold brew and you can add it later um you can actually put ground beans into the boil as you boil the beer um but we chose to do this this dry hop edition essentially and it was it was it was a beautiful beer and it was different than what we expected but it was so fun still it sounds like it turned out great david you know you have a lot of fun projects coming up and I I know that No Boat Brewing Company is growing and you have regular events. Share with us some of the upcoming events or some of the upcoming projects that you're working on. Sure. So um, one thing we are very interested in at No Boat is we love pairing food with beer. So it's, actually, it's not upcoming, it just happened. But on Sunday, we had an amazing day where we actually, um, there's a, uh, tapas restaurant we love in Seattle named Pincho. And we had Pincho come up and do a pop-up and they made paella all day long for our customers um, in, in these massive pans. And uh, and our customers got to watch the chefs make paella all day long and it was a very hot day so it paired perfectly with some nice like cold lager. Um, and we love doing that. Uh, more so what's coming for us is we are actually in the middle of planning for expansion. So uh, we're actually going to be adding a new brewing system into No Boat um, and doing some, we're adding capacity to do some pretty wild stuff. We want to get into some crazy beers that um, we just don't have enough time in the day to make now, but with a bigger brewing system, we'll be able to make do. And um, we'd like to get into canning, which is a, a huge next step for us. Is we we want to be able to be at a grocery store in a can and you can take us home that way. Oh, that's so exciting, and we wish you well with that expansion, and we can't wait to hear more about it. You know, Seattle is a wonderful place for for wine and craft brews. How would you describe kind of the overall feel of that scene mm-hmm. in the Seattle area? Yes, it is. Um, craft beer is massive here, and, and I've always grown up thinking that Seattle's a beverage city because, uh, for whatever reason, bottled water seemed to be huge here too, even though it rains um, so much. But um, and the wine scene is is also, as you said, massive. So uh, the craft beer scene, though, is really, really has exploded, and it's been exploding for some time. But uh, what actually happened was in 2017, Washington State became the second largest state in terms of breweries um, in the United States just behind Cal, well, not just behind California, but California is quite ahead of everyone. And then Washington, uh, past Colorado, which was huge news within the brewing industry. Um, as well, we saw a pretty big growth in craft brewing barrels produced across the state. So, uh, as a state, we grew something like 15 or 18% in production total. So, um, the market here is very, very big and it's very in demand for craft beer. So, um, we have a captive audience, and the really fun thing about being part of a captive audience is we have a ton of breweries, and everyone just iron sharpens iron, and it's such a collaborative industry that you can call up another brewer and be like, hey, what did you guys think about, you know, when you use this hop, did, how did it feel? And 
you know, how should I use it? Um, I, I do that quite often when we're talking about making a new style at Nobot. I'll call one of my friends who brews at a different brewery or, um, and vice versa. And that sharing of knowledge has really, really, I think, put our industry um, well ahead at a fast pace. Like, people are learning faster than would be expected if you had to go it alone. Um, and it's, in, so far in my experience, a very unique feeling to craft beer, where wine people are a lot more guarded with their secrets. And in beer, it's sort of like, I mean, everyone's going to figure this out eventually. So here's, I might as well tell you now. <laughs> oh, I love how it's a collaborative community for craft beer in Seattle. And we're going to take a quick break in about a minute. But before, before we go to break, David, how would you have by chance a favorite, maybe mm-hmm. coffee ca- cafe in Seattle? You know, Seattle is oh, pretty wow. known for its coffee cafes. Might you have a favorite, please? Wow. Um, I, man, I don't know if a cafe specifically, but a roaster who I love in Seattle is RJ Dulay, who owns uh, Pine Drop Coffee. And I know you can right. purchase him in various spots in Seattle and Tacoma. Um, but Pine Drop Coffee is it's so good. And it's what we actually use in our house here for a no-boat for the beer. Oh, fantastic. So when we come back, David, we're going to talk a little bit more about some of your upcoming projects, giving back to the community and the emphasis on philanthropy at No Boat Brewing Company. So listeners, please join us right after the break. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. My favorite coffee story is brought to you by Anikona Farm, where every bean we grow represents a great story somewhere in the world. When you buy coffee from Anikona Farm, you're investing in new memories, stories, and experiences. We harvest our beans with your future story in our heart. So, from our heart to yours, enjoy the Anikona experience. May your coffee story be as rich and delicious as our Kona coffee with love. Please visit Anikona.com and get your Anikona Story coffee special today. Voice America Network proudly presents The Catherine Zox Show for women, men, children, and families. Catherine magically combines her compassion, experience, and talent to bring listeners a show that's upbeat, informative, and yes, a little sassy. Tune in every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to my favorite coffee story with Aniko Samoji. Drop us a line and share your story. Our email address is orders at anikona.com. Again, that's orders at anikona.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back to my favorite coffee story. We're brewing up stories about craft beer and coffee with David Skiba, owner, master brewer, and El Capitan at No Boat Brewing Company in Snoqualmie, Washington, near Seattle. And we were just talking about sort of the Seattle scene for craft beer and, of course, for wine. And there's a big coffee scene there as well. We were sharing with 
David a little bit about his favorite coffee there. And we were going to chat now about all the good that certainly No Boat Brewing Company does amazing job with their craft brew, but they also are very active in the community. And I love how No Boat Brewing Company gives back to the community. There's a real emphasis on philanthropy. David, please tell us about some of the upcoming projects and how you work with the community at No Boat. Sure. So um, I, I sort of touched on it earlier in the show, but um, something that's kind of rare for us as a brewery is we are um, in a community of probably 20,000 or so folks who are um, about 25 minutes from downtown Seattle, but it's sort of an island in terms of there's not much around us between here and Seattle. Um, and we're in these beautiful, it's like we're right in the foothills. We're right in the mountains. It's gorgeous. So um, there's a ton of local emphasis on a few projects. One of the big ones is this project called Mountains to Sound Greenway. Um, which is sort of protecting the reservoirs that feed the Puget Sound itself right next to Seattle. And a lot of those run through the community we're in up here in Snoqualmie. So there's a ton of preservation along these salmon um, runs, especially the salmon are super well protected. Um, We've poured events actually so that volunteers can come out and work all day and do restoration on these creeks. And then at the end they get some no boat beer and we all, hang out and get to toast each other. Um, that's been a total blast. Uh, and another thing we've done is we've paired with one of the um, local food banks here um, to, to sort of provide food year long. And, and one thing that we've learned as a business is, um, of course, in the United States, the Thanksgiving time is really when, you know, we hear a lot about giving food to food banks and how people in need need to, you know, make it through the winter because it's a very hard time. But, but one thing we've learned is that the summers actually can be just as hard um, because some children come off of school lunches and now their family needs to provide. So we've we redoubled our efforts this summer. and We actually just hosted a food drive um, over over the 4th of July week um, to, to raise money and to get donations of food for um, the Snoqualmie Valley Food Bank. And that's been really massive for us. Uh, and, and one of the upcoming projects that I'm really excited about we tried to get going this year, but um, there's a bunch of construction around us right now, so it got sort of slated for next year, is I really, really want to um, begin a community garden for No Boat Brewing Company where people can uh, come in and work their own you know, crops that they've planted or herbs that they've planted. Um, in some, uh, we're looking at putting um, big bins in on our patio and that being the start of it and hopefully evolving the project from there. So that's something we're looking at doing next Great spring. idea. Yeah. I love that No, idea. we're really, I love gardening, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so fantastic. You have, certainly you're very talented in doing, you know, running the brewery and making delicious craft beer. And you also have a really fun ability to do podcasts yourself and and videos and I've seen a a wonderful video you did it's a a glimpse of one year in a very short amount of time it's like these quick snapshots of the year and that was so much fun tell us about some of your podcasts and videos that you like to do David sure so um the the video project has been uh really fun um I 
<laughs> I one time I had a very good friend who I I probably haven't seen him since I was twelve or thirteen years old, and he posted um, a video. This would have been probably five years ago. That was. Um, a second of every day of his life for like eight months. And at this point I hadn't seen him for probably 10 or 11 years. And when he posted it, I watched it and it was like, it felt like him and I had just hung out and had a, you know, a coffee or, or a good conversation. And it felt so intimate that I, I wondered how, if I would be able to take on a project like this. So, um, I started taking one second of video a day um, and for three years, I, I compiled videos, um, and the, the nice clean thing about taking a second of video a day is you watch an entire year of your life happen in six and a half minutes. Um, yes. so it's when you first pitch the, I, or when the first time I heard one second, I, my mind went to, why not just take a picture? And what you don't realize is actually how long a second is. And so it's, it's more than a snapshot. It's, it's just a really fun way to watch someone's life unfold. Um, and I've been lucky enough to have been doing it long enough that I can actually watch three years of my life now in those one second segments. Um, so that's been very fun. And then in terms of podcasting, I used to um, cover the Seattle Mariners with a, a bunch of other baseball fans. So we used to have a, a podcast about baseball that we would run quite often and do on occasion, but um, we're all a little busy now. So <laughs> it happens a little less frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love to touch on this, David, because it's something that we all so appreciate in you is your great sense of humor and how you bring that to every element of your life. And even as you were describing the vibe of No Boat Brewing Company there and the space and how people discover things along the way as they they come more often, your great sense of humor is something that we so appreciate. How how did you develop that and maybe there's someone who's inspired you. Man, um, well, I always, <laughs> I always <laughs> tell my staff that running this brewery, if I didn't laugh, I'd just cry because there's so much. <laughs> every day is so loaded with uh, curveballs. Um, I, I, I don't know where the humor came from. I, I distinctly remember enjoying the early Muppet movies <laughs> as a kid. Um, <laughs> And for whatever reason, the Muppets really left an imprint on me as like a four or five year old kid um, that it, they were just so jovial. And, and, um, and I, I firmly believe that life takes a lot of laughter, especially laughing. The ability to laugh at yourself is a, a really important character trait because eventually <laughs> you'll run out of things that make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we appreciate laughter is so important in life, David, and you bring all those around you a lot of laughter. So we're so grateful to you about that. You touched a bit about all the projects at No Boat Brewing Company and how some days might be a little bit trickier than other days and how you keep, you know, a good positive attitude. If you had some words of wisdom for someone thinking of opening a brewery or winery, what, what would that look like? Wow. Um, 
I think the first thing that's really big is patience. And I think that's a bit cliched, but, um, you know, we spent probably the better part of a year really planning out everything on paper, thinking of every single, you know, thing that could go aside or could change up on us. And we probably only covered 20% of the stuff that went weird on us. Um, (laughs) So so you gotta be really flexible. Um, I do think it's incredibly important to, you know, at the end of the day, I always tell my staff, if everything goes wrong, worst case scenario, we're all having a beer. Like (laughs) it it could be a lot worse. Um, And, and I think just the sort of the ability to kind of take a step back um, to, to realize, you know, the stakes here, you know, they aren't so massive. Um, and, And to be able to just, to have good friends around you and have a good team and, and cultivating a good team is really important because, uh, you know, no one can accomplish this task alone. There's so much um, thought that has to go into everything. And um, everyone has ways of digesting information in different ways. So getting a lot of minds on it, who you trust and who you can communicate with really well is incredibly advantageous. And I would say probably the only way to really get it done is by having a really solid team. That's so well stated, David. And I think those words of wisdom are definitely applicable to so many elements in life and so many businesses. So thank you for sharing that. So I was curious, <laughs> I know you're so busy and you're you're expanding and No Boat Brewing Company is growing. Do you have any upcoming travels by chance scheduled? <laughs> <laughs> if my girlfriend's listening, she's very, very fascinated to hear if this is uh, a yes or a no. Um, <laughs> I would, I would really love to get to. Um, I have a deep desire to go back to Australia, and it, it times up really well for when things slow down at the brewery because we're, we're sort of seasonal. Um, this industry is in that, especially in the northern hemisphere. Um, you know, around winter stuff sort of slows down a little bit because it's not, you know, massively hot beer drinking weather. So if there's any time to take off, it's maybe around January in the Northern Hemisphere. So we've been sort of chatting perhaps a return to Australia. Um, We've also been debating uh, the UK and um, I actually had an exchange student who lived with me in high school who's from Paraguay. So um, we've also been chatting South America. So sort of all over the place. Um, we definitely have also been wanting to get down to see you and go check out um, the coffee plant because... Oh, we'd love to see you. That would be amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would be so happy if you saw us at, at the farm here at Anikona Farm, David, anytime. Yes, so we'll probably be doing that then. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. Well, we're looking forward to it and can't wait. And before we close here in a few minutes, David, we we thought we'd ask you, we touched a little bit about some of the upcoming projects and the expansion, but if we were to summarize for our listeners dreams, perhaps your your dreams as a person, David, and maybe dreams for No Boat Brewing Company, please share. Sure. Um, man, in terms of the company itself, uh, we, we want to have a really, really strong um, ability to make very unique beers. Um, and we 
are utilizing a lot of different techniques. And with the expansion, we will only be uh, growing those techniques. We want to incorporate, there's a really old tradition that sort of came out of eh, maybe Belgium, but some other countries would be offended if I said that. But it's probably a Belgian technique where they have this thing called a cool ship. And what that is, is if you could imagine a massive, essentially rectangular bag that you sit beer in and you let the wild air um, put yeast into the beer for the fermentation. And then you allow it to sit for maybe even years. Um, And these create like incredibly unique beers that can't be replicated. Um, So that is to be able to produce beers like that um, of quality and of quantity and to have a program based around just these really unique techniques is um, something that I'm very passionate about personally. And I think um, everyone on staff would agree that, that we want to be a brewery that um, is sort of on the edge and is always, you know, not stuck in its ways and is always looking to grow and change. Um, because I think that's really important. If I take that to my life is, um, you know, I, I don't want to look at the world the same way in retrospect, you know, even five years ago. So, um, I, I'm really, really driven by gaining new experiences and, and meeting, you know, people with different points of view and with, you know, what different lifestyles and backgrounds that means a lot to me. Um, and I do love traveling and I, um, I love food and I love beverage and it's such a fun culture. Um, because one thing that really, really drives me about food and beverage is it is an art form and even above perhaps painting or, you know, film, it is an art form that consumes the sense of taste as well. So it it takes a next step up in art. So you're creating something that is not supposed to only be aesthetically pleasing, but also is supposed to like give you sustenance. Um, And I think that that's a really fascinating place to be at as a chef or as a, um, a coffee bean grower or as a brewer um, is that you're creating art that also, I mean, gives life. So yes. I, I think following that is, it, it really, I have a ton of passion for that. And you are going to definitely accomplish that. And thank you for sharing your amazing craft beer brewing stories at No Boat brewing company and also about your life stories and your dreams and it was fun to share some coffee stories in between david so thank you for joining us today david skiva owner master brewer and el capitan at no boat brewing company thank you so much and thank you so much for having me oh such a pleasure thank you and of course questions you can always send to orders at myfavoritecoffeestory.com or see your Anikona gift at anikona.com. And in the meantime, we wish you a very big and heartfelt aloha. Thank you for taking an hour out of your busy week to join us on My Favorite Coffee Story. Please tune in again for another edition with your host, Aniko Samoji, next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, we hope you'll have a relaxing week.